wellness industry upside down so you can be your healthiest inside and out. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and supplement strategist. I'm joined by Mark DeSico, founder of RTD Fitness. Good morning, Mark. Good morning to you, Neil. Today's episode is mental well-being part two because, of course, we can't say anything, you know, quickly. Well, let's kick the hobo off the train. (laughs) Throw mama from the train. We have Dr. Dresdale back with us. Technically, we didn't go anywhere. We just literally hit the button. Don't give away the magic. Mark peed, and then we just kind of kept going. (laughs) This is the the behind-the-scenes stuff. This is next level. No, seriously, the the reason that we had to go to part two is because part two is going to be a little bit heavier. You're actually not here for a podcast. That whole first thing was uh, uh, just like a show. Um, This is an intervention for Mark DeSico. We had a number of people write in about the claims that he had lots of girlfriends in college. Wow. and uh, so we have to kind of... That was a bad episode. He's living in a delusional state. Yes, uh, the they, delusions are very real. <laughs> I, I don't know why that was what I chose to focus on. And as I was doing it, I was like, this is going to go they, south. And everyone's going to get mad at me. And I'm going to be called a misogynist. Those people, but, yeah, the people that were, uh, you know, complained about it, wanted to stay anonymous. But it was basically his, his wife and his ex-girlfriend, All Sandy, of them. Any of them. His parents, right. his brother. Yeah, shout out. Shout uh, out, sorry. I think God wrote in. You know? A lot of people were mad. <laughs> I, You know, I, I when you tell your story, it's hard to, like, focus on certain aspects. And so I decided to choose the fact that I wasn't a hermit and I had friends and girlfriends and so that might have come across as cocky or insane. You don't have to. It, but I, I. But the reason I did it, Neil, was because people think like you're a giant fat person, you're a marginalized person, you live in a cave and no one comes and talks to you and you just eat McDonald's all day. I'm trying to dispel that that myth. All that's right. that's one of the myths. I appreciate that. V- visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast related. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and even over on YouTube and give us that five star love as often as you can each and every episode. It helps us get seen and heard. I'm not going to do the pre-show affirmation. We are not here to beat up on you. We're not here to reduce anything to nothing. Um, we're raging against the machine. You've heard that enough. We've got to keep moving. I have got Dr. Dresdale, clinical psychologist, here with us to finish up our conversation. Last time we talked about the American mental health crisis. We talked about um, the the crazy person in your head, as we refer to it, or the the bad roommate. So that way we don't you know denigrate the word crazy, you know that kind of a thing. So um, we are now going to talk about mindfulness and meditation. So we have this person that lives in our head, a clump of cells who's responsible for creating words. And then we believe that that clump of cells is who we are. It's me. But in fact, it is just a part of our brain that does a thing that we pay attention to because there's words associated with it. And that thing is a jerk. That clump of cells becomes personified and it goes negative all the time. And it causes a lot of undue suffering in all of us. And so we need the tools to uh, help separate that voice from us, the thing that hears the thing, right? The, the words. And so mindfulness and meditation are that, uh, those tools. And again, the reason that we're doing this two-part episode, identifying the problem, kind of having a, a, a better conversation around the topic, and then giving you this tool is because it's not done well, right? We have this uh, perception of what mindfulness and meditation is. It's not. And we have our baggage that we bring to us about mental health anyway. And so to clarify all of this, remember, conquer the chaos, and then we can start to implement the practices that get us to that healthier place. So uh, we are going to now, I guess, talk about mindfulness and meditation. Let's do it. So the terms are everywhere. As I was just saying, they're used incorrectly. And, and you know, it's, it's a pop culture thing at this point. So Dr. Dresdale, could you define mindfulness for us? We'll start with that one, I think. Sure. Okay. So mindfulness and meditation, 
<clears throat> they are different uh, but interrelated. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mindfulness is a quality of mind. That's the best way that I can describe it. And what that quality of mind is, it's, a, it's an awareness that arises, um, and I'm using John Kabat-Zinn's definition here, and he was one of the first people to use meditation and mindfulness and mindfulness-based uh, stress reduction, MBSR. Many people are familiar with that. So he said it was the awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so very simple, a quality of mind, we're here, we're present, we're aware, and moment to moment, and I, the most important part of that is non-judgmentally. Yeah. So going back to our uh, previous podcast here is the judgmental nature of the bad roommate in the mind, right? Uh, or in our mind. And much of it is negative, self-critical, judgmental, et cetera. And that creates the suffering we talked about last time. Yeah. So this quality of mindful awareness is just being in the state of paying attention. So what, what is meditation? So meditation is a practice. You know, the joke when I go away on retreats is, you know, it's like we, you know, the teachers will say, well, we call it a practice for a reason because you're practicing, right? Um, and what that simply means is what meditation is, and I want to demystify this. Um, it doesn't require like, you know, special outfits or, you know, lots of cushions or you have to go to special places to Yoga do pants. this and so forth and so mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And there are, there's a huge range of meditational practices through uh, over millennia. Um, so but very, very simple, just to try to boil it down a bit is it's training mo uh, the brain to hold attention on some object. Okay. So it's to develop concentration. The object can be a physical object staring at something. It can be a word, um, the famous mantra type thing. Yeah. Um, it can be one's br breath focusing on one's breath. So it's training the brain to hold attention on an object to develop concentration. Why is that important? How does it relate to mindfulness? Is if you may have noticed the brain is not terribly well disciplined and it goes all over the place and our attention runs with those streams of thought. And, you know, it's called monkey mind, Yeah, uh, you know, jumps all over the place. Oh, it's over here. It's over there. It's there. And like, now I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. Right. And uh, when we're doing all that, we're not paying attention to what's happening in the here and now. So we have to practice developing that ability to hold attention in a concerted way, concentration, so that we can enter that quality of mindfulness, that state of mindfulness to be aware of where we are and what we're experiencing in this moment without judgment. Excellent. Yeah, I think that uh, understanding that meditation isn't trying to clear your head, I think, mm -hmm. is the most important thing, right? Because everybody talks about, oh, I, I can't meditate because I can't, I can't keep my mind still. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point. The, you know, the, the idea that we're not meditating to clear the mind. We're meditating so that way we can see that we have these patterns that arise. I can't stretch because I'm not flexible. I can't eat well because I go to McDonald's. I, I can't be meditating because I don't know how to calm my mind. 
It's the same pattern. It's the roommate talking. Yeah. And so we can try to ignore the roommate, but he's still going to be there. And so, and so we can pretend like he's not in the back hanging out, but he's standing there, he's eating his Doritos, and he's just judging. Mm-hmm. He's just watching us do our thing, and he's like, boy, there you go again, Neil. Classic Neil, screwing everything up. You can't even run a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're up against. So this, this idea that we have to practice something else is the only way we can get from where we are to this new place. So I can't just imagine that I'm going to stop that guy from talking mean to me. I can't just hope he'll go away. He's not going anywhere. He's in there. And so either I get a plan for that, I get mindful, and I find a way to pay attention and put him on the train and send him on his way, or I spend time paying attention to him and he takes over. And that's what we're trying to steer clear of. Thank you for bringing those points up. That is really critical. Um, A lot of times I have patients say, I'm not doing it right. You know, why not? Well, because my thoughts are still going and so forth and so on. It isn't about getting rid of them. Sometimes it happens. And, you know, it can get quiet, believe it or not, inside one's head, which is kind of magical. I remember the first time it ever happened in a retreat. And, you know, I thought to myself, uh, wow, it's quiet in here. And there, <laughs> there, there, there that went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out. Party's I did, over. Oh, Chris, I did yeah. it, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. um, so anyway, so what it is about, as you mentioned, Neil, is that ability to sit allow everything that's happening in any given moment, you know, every aspect of our body is functioning right then and there, right? What we're feeling sitting in the chair, the temperature of the room, any sounds around us, if we have our eyes open, what we're seeing, if we have our eyes closed, the patterns behind our eyelids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that little piece of brain tissue that makes those words, right? And it's that ability to sit in the eye of the hurricane is the one way I describe it is all the stuff's going on. And then there's this quiet place that we can with practice, learn to sit inside of and be aware without any judgment, including the thoughts. And you use something in the last podcast, Mark, about getting on that train. So I use that metaphor a lot with people too. It's like you got this train of thoughts and like one thought starts and then the next, next car hooks up the next car. And now you got this long train and you're on the train and you're down to mix metaphors, the rabbit hole on the train, <laughs> right? You like that. So anyway, um, as opposed to can we step off the train and can we watch the train go by, which is, oh, there are those thoughts. How about that? And, you know, it's like, oh, my nose itches. And, you know, if you happen to be flexible enough, and maybe you are now, Mark. Oh, you, you don't know, even that, know, Dr. Wait till you see. Yeah, well, you can sit in a full lotus position. And I remember doing this and, you know, at a retreat and thinking, oh, my God, my leg is completely numb. I'm going to lose it. They're going to have to take this off. This is the most painful experience, right? So, yeah. um, and, and your legs are still here. Spoiler alert, legs are still, still here legs. because the teacher's taught yeah. when physical pain arises, focus on it. Be curious about those sensations. I know it sounds pretty crazy, but it actually is helpful. And it's just another aspect of the meditation as opposed to my reactivity, which was what my mind was doing. Mm -hmm. I could recognize the sensations of, oh, no, my leg just fell asleep, actually. That's all that's going on here. Right. So we learn this ability to sit quietly in the eye of the hurricane and then with sufficient practice, and it's not 100%, folks, but with sufficient practice, we can carry that with us in mindfulness going about our day so that when things happen, 
we move from reactivity to responsivity. Mm-hmm. So rather than something triggering us emotional and now we're reacting, we're upset and we're this and this and that, we can actually feel that experience. And once again, this is, I want to emphasize it doesn't, it's like not, we're always like always totally calm. Something happens, we're aware of that reaction, we're aware of that impulse if I want to like crash into that jerk who just cut me off or whatever it is. And then we allow that to pass through us and that quiet space opens up behind and we can then choose a much wiser, more skillful response such as, I don't think I should do that, so I won't do that. Here's a better way to handle that. Or as I say to my patients, you don't have to say everything you think. No wonder you're fighting with your spouse <laughs> or your partner all the time. Yeah. Right? You know, right. And you aren't what you think and you don't have to say what you think. I said this to my daughter, you know, she's like, if I curse in my brain, is that okay? I'm like, that's <laughs> the spot to do it. Yeah. That's the way to curse. Your best plan for cursing as a 10 year old is in your brain because nobody hears it. And yeah. so you can curse up there all you want. And she was like, I can. <laughs> you sure can. You won't even get in trouble. Nobody will even know. Like you could just have all the cursing you want in your brain. And so we can control that. We can, we can, we can in, in the same way that you describe sort of, and I use this in my yoga and, and in, in my sort of mindfulness is I spend time in positions and it's super boring. And so I have people breathe as they're going along, but I talk through it because I'm distracting them from sort of getting in that reactive response. And so I'm just using, I'm filling up with a lot of words, which might be surprising to you guys who've watched the podcast that I have a lot of words, but it, it's <laughs> deliberate because I'm really trying to get them off that train, which is their brain saying to them as they're in this position, get out of here, get out. You're, you're stuck. You're never going to get out of this position. You're, this is stupid anyway. And why are you doing it? Right. Is what your brain does. It's what mine does when I'm in a position. It's like, nope, this is stupid. I should just stop. I'm plenty flexible. You know, I don't need to continue to do this. But if I, if I'm really working on that breathing, if I'm taking the time to focus that energy towards being in that present moment where I'm just in a stretch, I'm just a guy doing a stretch, no judgment, no whether or not I should stop or whether I should slow down or do it differently. I just need to be, I just need to be. And so we're not, we, we don't be enough. We just spend our time in the past or the future. We're yeah. not sitting in the present moment. And that's the piece that has been so critical for me and I think is, is really beneficial to our listeners. So we've piled on a bunch to mm-hmm. this, but I want to revisit it because there are some people that are just hearing this conceptually yeah. for the first time. This idea of being mindful is really just about just like, okay, so I'm sitting in the chair and just kind of experiencing everything, not Um, not a, you know, like when the thought comes returning back and instead of the focus being say my breath and just focusing on one thing, I'm focusing on everything. I'm focusing on how the chair feels against my butt, how my butt feels in the chair, how my foot feels, how the temperature in the room feels right. Being physically here and experiencing the moment, right. And not getting lost in the mind somewhere else. Being mindful is being here. Right. And not grabbing my phone and mm-hmm. immediately dissociating from reality. And right. That's, and that's what the phone allows us to do. So we're talking a lot about put the phone down. Yeah. There's reasons for that. Yeah. Because the device we want, dependency is tied I, to this. I want to constantly have input. My brain is like, give me more input. I need more information out there and then I'll feel better. If I see Neil's 70th picture from Europe, that's going to be the thing that's going to be the tipping point, And then I'm going to feel better as a human. And it never actually happens. You, uh, spoiler alert, you will not feel better after going on the internet any time that you do it. <laughs> right. You, it, you go there for that reaction, 
But what you end up actually doing is just completely separating from reality. And then you come back a worse person than the guy who turned the phone on to begin with. So then being mindful um, and uh, being like experiencing every moment, we'll say, and, and we should define that because, you know, we talk in seconds and hours and minutes, but moment is kind of like, you know, I get define that for me. Like it's a, it's a bunch of seconds, right? It's yeah. like, what's yeah. a moment? The, um, the moment is now, now, now. Okay. That's the moment. <laughs> when will then be now? <laughs> so, so, so is a, 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 an acquaintance of mine who uh, is from India and uh, Hindu who said, you know, the past is fears and the future is tears. I love yeah, this phrase, yep, right? right? Because mm-hmm. past is memory. The, the, this moment is now a memory. This moment is now a memory. So the past is a memory, right? Exactly. I was there. And and the future and the future is projection. Whatever we're imagining either positive or fearfully is going to happen. That is that now remembering is happening in the moment. Projecting is happening in the moment, but it's the moment. It's this, this is the only one that exists that we're experiencing through all of our sensory systems. Right? right. So we have the traditional five senses and the Buddha called the mind, the sixth sense. So experiencing all of our world, very simply, consciousness is thoughts, feelings and sensations. There ain't nothing else in that stream. Right. Right. So I want to go back to also the interrelationship between meditation and mindfulness um, b- based on what you said, which is. Remember, meditation is that practice of developing concentration. Yeah. So if we want to be mindful, if I'm just sitting here right. and all of a sudden I'm pull, you know, my attention gets pulled into my thought stream, right? I'm no longer experiencing anything that I'm seeing, hearing, doing is the dissociation you talked about, Mark, tasting or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. Not fully focused on the experience of the moment. So the reason that the practice of meditation is so important is it makes me aware as soon as possible. Yeah. My attention has wandered right. off into thought, right? That, and the concentration is a trained practice of the brain to bring that attention and that focus back out here to this moment. And now I'm mindful again. Right. And that can happen like a thousand times an hour. And so like, again, the, the mindfulness, the idea that I'm, I'm experiencing the moment in its full you know, uh, sensory, uh, I guess, input, right? And the idea that most of us are not in the moment and we spend most of our time in the future or in the past. That's what we're bringing. Our mind is bringing those things. We're worrying about a future that hasn't happened or we're like, you know, fermenting over a past that's already passed, right? You know, and so perseverating on things. And so uh, being more mindful is saying, okay, wait, I'm not there. Who, how many people have driven in their car and then they just arrive at a place or they're having an argument in their head with somebody that's physically not in their car, <laughs> right. right? And you can go, oh, wait, I'm having it. I need to be more mindful that I'm driving a car and that thing isn't happening. And that shifts a lot for people. When you start to do that and start to recognize that, you start to apply it to a lot of different things. You were talking about learned behaviors, right? So, you know, uh, a kid th- uh, punches another kid in my house, right? And I could start to go, and like, and then realize that, you know, I'm, I'm now escalating my emotions and I'm watching that happen. I can just be more mindful and just be more present in the moment and just experience it and then handle it in a different way. That's being responsive rather than reactive, right? Responsive rather than reactive, Exactly, exactly so. 
Yeah, and going back to the first part of the podcast about mental health and well-being yeah. and dealing with things like anxiety and depression, et cetera, is when we begin to see through the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy that I work with people on, these are only thoughts. These are only thoughts. I'm not really the worst person who ever walked on right. the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Or not, you know, like if I'm going on a trip, the plane isn't necessarily going to crash. Actually, the odds are very low of that happening. Right. But I am obsessively worried about it, and I am so anxious I can't even function, right? Mm -hmm. If we can see that those thoughts are, and the mindfulness is bringing it back into this moment, a phrase I uh, work with patients on is, is everything okay right now? Yeah. And people come in, they say, you know, once they start to get the hang of that, it's like 99% of the time, everything is okay right now. Now, it doesn't mean that it's great. problematic or, or, <laughs> or it's great mm -hmm. or any of those yeah. things, but the things that they were worried about or ruminating about from the past, things that they should have done or what have, you know, whatever it is, it's like, no, actually, like, I'm like just sitting here eating breakfast. Everything's okay right now. Yeah. None of these things are happening in this moment, except in the head. Right. Right. So I always used to say that the, the mindfulness is kind of like the macro version of mindfulness, which is the micro version. So the, the macro version, meaning like, how am I interacting in the world? What's going on in the world? And how does my being fit into that whole thing? Where then we flip it and you talk about med uh, meditation and that's the, the deliberate focus and, and you know, that's what's going on inside of my mind and like learning how to understand that voice in my head and get that distance between the, the two. So then meditation then is really just, it's almost like sensory deprivation. You know, we're sitting here and we're trying to be mindful and we're experiencing all these things, all these distractions. But what we're trying to say is close it all down and focus only on one thing. If we can put you in a pool where you couldn't feel anything and you couldn't hear anything, that would be even better. And you can just focus on that one sense. So that way you are basically training as soon as the brain, that little clump of cells starts firing, which it's going to. And that's an important part that everybody needs to mm -hmm. hear is there's no stopping that. You're not evicting right. the roommate. It's not evicting. There's no the, eviction the, process. The roommate will be there but he will or she will start talking and then you just need to know uh how to handle that when you're focusing on one thing and then all of a sudden the the thing starts talking and then you start going down that that path following that person you can say oh wait i'm following that person again i'm not focused on my breath and then you just go okay no big deal i'm gonna just go back and that's it and so go ahead yeah exactly the mm -hmm. meditation is the practice to develop those neural circuits to concentrate better in the moment. Right. Right. Because anything that you're focused on, whether it's a, a physical object, a word or the breath is happening in the here and now. Right. Right. So we're training the, the mind or the brain rather to release attention from the word thoughts that we think are so important because, well, it's impolite not to listen, no matter how yeah, stupid what's right? being mm -hmm. said is, right? And bring it back into the present moment. And so being able to work with it that way, and <clears throat> consequently, the less caught up we are in our thoughts, the more present we are. You know, it's like when you're having a conversation with somebody and you look in that person's eyes and, you know, you can see, oh, they're, they're like not they're even, else. not even home, yeah, not you know. And, what Mark was doing to both of us. Yeah, right, ago. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and then, and we keep talking because whatever we got to say is important enough. We don't care so if anybody's important. listening. Yeah. But, you know, we can see it in somebody else when they're not home anymore. And we do that all the time. And it's bringing ourselves back home 
you know, into this present moment. So to keep it really simple, the three components of meditation mm -hmm. are focused attention, practicing focused attention to develop concentration. Two, attention wanders somewhere, right? So the second component is we wake up, meaning, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not present anymore. I've been driving for the last five minutes. I have no idea where I am and who's been driving. <laughs> I didn't Whoops. even own a car. You know, right, right. <laughs> whose cars? <laughs> whose Lexus is this? This is a right. nice Lexus. And, then, nice we, and then we wake up, right? And we become aware attention has wandered. And the third component is we begin again. We've now training the brain to bring attention back to that object. So over and over and over and over and over again. Like with I said in the earlier podcast, if we keep practicing something that's desirable, we will get better at it. Yeah. Right? So uh, we get better and better at staying present in the moment. So, you know, my profession is a lot about listening. Yeah. And so we hear the term active listening. Look, I have good and bad days. I can be tired. I can be whatever. I can be concerned about something going on in my life. But with the practice, I keep bringing the attention back because it's important to be present when somebody is saying something, you know, that needs to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, those are very important. And so once again, it relates to mental health and well-being yeah. by hearing and putting in context all that chatter is just one of a million things that are happening in any given moment, right? And not giving it our attention and not paying attention to it because it's going to be, for the most part, creating negative mood states, as it will often do. But you mentioned something in the last podcast, Mark. Sometimes we can have these grandiose thoughts, yeah. you know, et cetera. And that's just... He as, often does. All the time. As, it's, and, it's more dangerous, honestly. And, that's right. Thinking you're super awesome that's and then right. listening to that voice and believing that that voice is right. super awesome Got me is all going my to lead... It's all, all of my trouble. All of my problems <laughs> right. were created here. Mm -hmm. there, there's no problem that I've had in my life that I didn't self-create. And and some people will say, well, bad things happen to people, and that's true. And that is true. And I am not, I'm not here to minimize anybody's traumatic uh, life experiences you have had bad things happen to you and i apologize for that that happened that should not have happened to you that being said me personally every problem that i have ever had i have 100 percent created that problem right up in the old roommate den right up here where i keep my friend and that guy continues to be my consigliere he continues to be the guy i go to for help and I know he's flawed and useless. It, in a lot of ways, ruins most everything. And I yet and still go back to that same guy. And so, so how do I quiet him? How do I give no. him less control and power over me? I have to actively practice this on a daily basis, on a, on a regular basis throughout the day. But I have planned mindfulness, planned meditation every single day of my life, every day. I want to talk about this idea of practice real quick and yeah. and the moment thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the moment is right now. and But, you know, it's kind of like an awareness cycle is mm -hmm. kind of how I see it. So it's not really one second or an instant. It's kind of like three seconds because our human brains are kind of small, right? So mm -hmm. like a moment is just like a, a little sphere of time. And when we talk about, like we talk about making healthy food choices, that's about six times a day that that can happen for most people, unless you're a grazer, of course, right? But it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then the snacks in between. So at those moments, we can practice the right decision or we can practice the really bad decision, right? Not planning our meals, picking the, the thing that makes us feel better. We can practice. Now, 
we could say that we're just losers and give up, or we could say, I'm next time I'm going to get it. I'm going to try it better. Right. One out of the, the six I've done really well. And the interesting thing to me about meditation and mindfulness and mental well-being is that you don't have six opportunities. You have thousands and thousands every single day. And this goes right. to the idea that you were talking about is like, you know, the uh, you get you, you get good at what you practice. Right. And so because we are so used to following the voice, following the idiot in our head and doing those kinds of things, we have practiced that for years and years and years every single day. And the great part is, is that we have so many opportunities to correct that, right? So if one moment comes up and we handle it incorrectly, like I yell at Ava for leaning too being far down awesome. for being, <laughs> and I, I can go, Oh, I don't have to own that. I can take it back and I can, there's, this is a brand new moment. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, even though you're drawing something great. And I just distracted you from that. Right. So, so we have ample opportunity in our day to practice both good and bad. And, uh, you know, throwing those labels on there, like uh, healthy and not healthy um, thought practices, mindfulness and meditation. And I think that's, for me, that is very liberating. It means that there's so many opportunities to get better at something. Uh, it can happen easier, you know. Yeah. So, the yes, you're absolutely right. Moment to moment, we, we, if we are able to hold that state at least some of the time, we can make wiser choices, right? So if it's about having a food mm -hmm. um, and we're hearing the voice say, yeah, no, go eat the chocolate cake. There's no problem with that. You know, and we just recognize that as a thought passing through like a cloud over the sky, right? And we sit quietly. What might come up is, huh, that apple actually looks really beautiful. And, and without any judgment. Now I wanna, you know, like you mentioned good, bad, and we talk yeah. about healthy, unhealthy. Experience. How am I going to feel? Oh, those first couple of bites of chocolate. Like, oh, I love this. I yeah, love chocolate. More, like, more you of know, that. <laughs> but once I eat that, you know, like remember I said in the first podcast on the back end, I eat that piece of chocolate cake. I'm not going to feel so good. Suddenly my blood sugar level is going to go up and I'm going to have all these carbs in me. And bleh, you know, experience, not judgment. If I eat the apple, wow the sound of it, the juice in my mouth, the crispiness of it, et cetera, the flavors and so forth. And now how do I feel on the back end? Well, I don't feel so weighed down. I feel better, et cetera. So if we attend to experience, believe it or not, our total body will tell us what is a wiser, more skillful choice without the judgment. You know, I have patients who come in, I was really bad today, I did this. Mm, yeah. Right? You know, as the but. And I focus on, well, what were the consequences of that? What did you experience when that happened? And they start to pay attention to the experience, right? And they're able to start using the feedback loop of our own bodies yeah. to say, better this, I feel better when I do walk five minutes every day or meditate you know, three or four or five times a week, rather than, right? right? Mm -hmm. when I wasn't doing that. Right. Oh, so you now have feedback. Or if somebody says to me, actually, you know, this like that, you know, okay, so now we know that's not the thing for you. Let's just try something else, trial and error. And what you said about the moment-to-moment -moment opportunities, remember I said the third aspect or, or phase of meditation is begin again. Mm -hmm. No judgment. Oh, I just observed attention wandered. I woke up, begin again, bring attention back to the object let's say, the breath, right? 
And what I hear with patients when they come in, they start going, you know, I was really getting upset about something because it wasn't working out. And then I remember just begin again. No judgment. It's okay. I'm not a dope because actually, believe it or not, things go wrong in life. They right. don't always go perfectly and smoothly. But the roommate in our head is what? You should do it right every single time. And if you don't, there's a problem. There's something wrong with you. That's, quote, mental illness, right? Right. When we feel we're not okay, right? As opposed to, no, we're normal human beings who are doing the best we can. And, you know, the thing that's also very interesting is I don't have people come in and say to me, you know, I did like 10,000 things right this week. Hmm. Nobody ever said, I can't believe the one thing I did this week. That's you know, right. That's what we get focused on. It's like our car, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You get in your car, you start the car, you drive off. You get in the car, it doesn't start. What happens? This piece of garbage, I should have <laughs> never bought car. it. You know, it never works. And like, yeah. right? You know? Or here, here's the flip side. I'm a pharmacist. I filled hundreds and hundreds of thousands of prescriptions over my career. I think just last year with COVID shots, I did most of that. But like, uh, you know, I make the one error. Right. And what it do doesn't matter on? all the ones that I got right, really right too, where I really saved the day. Right. doesn't matter. It's the one, right? And so, um, so we have a short amount of time and I want to just kind of wrap up some thoughts here. So when it comes to uh, this, we're talking about a practice the idea that there's all of this opportunity to practice. Right. And so if we were to build mindfulness and meditation into our day, um, it would, you know, there's the three components and understanding that we're not trying to clear our mind. We shouldn't be judgmental. Right. Those are other things that people do wrong, but we want to practice every single day. How much time should I practice to know that I've done it right? Honestly, it was the first so there's no right. So, um, Perfect. thank you. Because <laughs> that's what so people that will say. Setup. It was yeah. a setup, yeah. Rez. You, 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 you went right for it, though. You, you walked right. I liked it. Thanks, for, thanks, for the, thanks for the setup. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, anyway, um, truthfully, when I work with people, I say, a min, you know, a minimum of five minutes. You can set a timer on your phone. There, yeah. Believe it or not, there are meditation apps that will sound like the, you know, the hitting the, uh, the bowls, mm -hmm. you know which I like that sound of. Mm -hmm. But in any case, um, find a place that you are comfortable. Try a couple of different places in your house, right? Sit down, get comfortable, right? Eyes open, eyes closed, doesn't matter. Sit up straight. Focus attention on if you want to use counting breaths to 10 and then repeating, if you want to use a mantra, or if you just want to keep attention on the breath. What's going to happen? Attention will wander. You wake up, you realize it, you bring it back. A minimum of five minutes. And I say to people, so, oh, and I still say, okay, I'm going to do this every day. And I go, no, you're going to do it like twice this week. Because yeah. what's the mind say? The mind's, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to be the best meditator you ever had. Yeah. I'm going to I'm do so it seven this. days a week. I'm going to be Eight hours a day of yeah, meditation. Right, exactly. I'm floating through yeah. the life. Right. right. And, uh, and instead I say, no, like shoot for one or two. You know, you build up, if you get to five or six during the course of the week, that's really good. And amazingly enough, the research has shown us five minutes on a semi-regular basis does produce effective change. Yeah. Right? Um, so it, it, it does work. Now, some people come in and say, you know, like, I'm starting to like, like this, and I'm be like 10 minutes now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm getting up and I'm sitting for 10 minutes. I do suggest to people to do it the first thing in the morning, much easier before you get into the role of the day, right? And <clears throat> see what happens. Just pay attention from day to day, moment to moment. What happens? Some days it's like, okay, completely present, focused, attention. Other days you know, attention's bouncing all over the place. 
as you said, Neil, there's no right or wrong about meditation. It's just working with whatever is present. So if attention is bouncing all over the place that day, attention is bouncing all over the place that day. Right. And judgment, by the way, I just want to mention, is just another kind of thought. Yeah. Right? So it's not like we're not trying to be judgmental. We're just taking notice, oh, there's a judgmental thought. Mm -hmm. There's a critical thought. Just let it float by the, like the cloud through the sky. I want to mention three other things that can really be helpful with yeah. mental health and well-being. Do it. One is compassion. Compassion is sympathy for the suffering of the, of, of the other, right? If we practice compassion, it's like, oh, maybe that person is a jerk. Maybe that person's got something going on in his or her life that's causing that. Maybe I can find out and be helpful. Self-compassion. Hello. Yeah. Bring it to ourselves. This is hard. This mm. is not easy. I'm doing my best. Self-compassion for my own suffering. The second one is forgiveness. Self-forgiveness. I'm constantly forgiving my younger self because my mind will go back <laughs> to when I... Embarrassing right? th stuff, yeah, right? right? Yeah, oh my God. You know, I, I don't have I to go that far back, fellas. Yeah, right. <laughs> not that far back. Right, this morning. Breakfast, this morning, yeah, right? It's not, it's not that far <laughs> right. back, boys. <laughs> you know, but self-forgiveness of being able to say, look, you know, I didn't know then what I know now, but instead of ruminating about what I should have done when I was 21... What did I learn from that experience that I'm not using that I can bring into the present here? Yeah. Okay. And the third thing is a gratitude practice. A gratitude practice is every day, find three things. They can be small. They can be big that you're grateful for. And people say, so, you know, what, you know, but as people engage in a gratitude practice, their attitudes about their lives change. They start recognizing there is much to be grateful for, no matter how difficult it can be, you know, you get up early in the morning and it's a beautiful, crisp, full morning. I'm grateful for the, you know, just the sound of the birds outside, you know. Um, okay, so I'll be grateful for that. I'm grateful for the big things, you know, like our kids and all the wonderful things that they do and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just so compassion, self-compassion, forgiveness, self-forgiveness. Three things you're grateful for every day. You can write them down, by the way, because it's kind of nice to like go back and look yeah. at those as well. So you're talking about um, every day. Every, if you can. If we can. If you don't, begin again the next day. That's you right. Beautiful. Five minutes, meditation, practice, and then on top of that, uh, compassion, forgiveness, right. gratitude. Those are the three things that we want to practice every single day. And doing so will start us down a path of greater mental well-being for sure and help us uh, kind of um, uh, check that box off when we're trying to be our healthiest, right? And let's be in awe of the magnificence of life, right? right? Like, like this, this idea, idea that the, the sky is pink when it comes up yeah. in the morning. Like we, we just pass these things by as if it's just a standard practice, right? This idea that I should be in awe of a baby crying. I should be in awe of these things that are awe-inspiring. And so they are awesome. And yeah. we should be experiencing those things and not taking them for granted. And when, when, I, when I do experience them, when I feel them, feel totally different. Yeah, when we're mindfully aware, we will notice them because we're in our senses. So we have to lose our mind to gain our senses. Ah. Aha. Uh -huh. There it is. So, <laughs> so this, this was awesome, awesome, huh? Awesome. This was phenomenal. Two-episode podcast. Now, Incredible. is it like part of your training to learn how to talk so smoothly? Ah, and, so smoothly. and like, like just to be relaxing in your voice? Is that Or is that a special... 
like credentialing that you got. I, <laughs> I, I that, that's genetic. Oh, I just right, got really, just I got really lucky. Lucky. If you're, I, if you're I, listening I, to this podcast and you're, you're, you're driving, driving, please <laughs> pull over. Turn the heat down. Right. And, Turn I, the AC and I can really slow it down. Yeah. Luckily, we're here like maniacs. We're the hobo in the back of the brain in this podcast. <laughs> We've accomplished goals. I think we set out a num- number of goals here. So first, we we understand that just like getting strategic with supplements and conquering the chaos around nutrition or physical fitness. We have to do the same with mental health. We have to understand it's important and we have to make it important, right? The info that's out there is coupled together, overwhelming and sometimes wrong when actually we could say most of the time wrong, right? Um, second, we stress the importance of healthcare professionals when it comes to mental well-being. Conventional docs and unhelpful or dangerous medications, right? That's what we think. We think that these doctors are conventional and they're not going to think holistically. They're intimidating and they're just going to drug me. And I don't want that. That's not true. Again, mental health practitioners are some of the most holistic practitioners, especially the great ones, because it's not just about medicines or even supplements. It's about the work and the work is very holistic. Getting those other pieces of the wellness pyramid correct help your mental health, and helping your mental health will help those other components, the interdependence and interconnectedness. And finally, we understood our brains a little bit better, how uh, meditation and mindfulness practices and the daily disciplined activities that we do to make us healthier can make us have a stronger well-being as well. And these are skills, something that we have to practice. It's a tool in our toolbox, that we have to de- that we have to develop. It's as important as nutrition. And it's important as a fitness regimen, right? And you know, we talked about this. Mindfulness and meditation are not the answer, but they can lead you to an answer for sure. And doing mindfulness and meditation will pay dividends in other areas of your lives. Their next conversation is going to be around sleep. And so how do you fall asleep? Well, Meditation will certainly do it for sure. Um, <laughs> it helps with so- sleep, social pressures, the feeling of fulfillment, all of that stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I just want to emphasize again, little changes set a small change. You're not going to change your life overnight, but if you small change, you get it down, you're doing whatever uh, several times a day or a week, move on to the next one, move on to the next one. And all those building blocks will add up because it's like a runaway train. You just got to stop the train first before you can even get get it moving in the desired direction. And I want to emphasize also what you said. These are skills. They can't be practiced and learned. It just takes time and effort. I'm sorry, folks. There is no other way. <laughs> we've said we've apologized. That's just how I we wish, roll here. I wish I could play the piano, but there's only one way it's going to happen. <laughs> that does it for this week's podcast episode. Take a few moments to give us a five-star review and share this podcast to your social feeds. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast. Remember, being our healthiest starts with being honest about ourselves and the health and wellness industry, then blazing a new path, marching forward one step at a time. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller for Mark DeSico and Dr. Dresdale. Woo! <laughs> We've got your back. Thanks for joining us.